wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to A Quirky Journey. Today, I have a fascinating interview for you. I'm going to be chatting with Dr. Kelly Brogan, who is a holistic psychiatrist from the US, and she'll be sharing with us her findings on healing anxiety and depression naturally without medications. When I heard Dr. Kelly was going to be speaking at this year's Mind Forum in Sydney in one week's time um, and what she was speaking on, I got really excited because this is exactly what our family has been going through over the last two years and we've been learning a lot about the benefits of healing naturally over using medication for depression and anxiety. And um, it's, it's been a big learning curve for me and for us and it's something that I was never taught um, my doctor doesn't seem to have, you know, this sort of knowledge and um, it's something that I've had to look on the internet for and read up on myself. So when I heard that Dr. Kelly was going to be speaking on it, um, I started to listen to her podcasts and um, check her out on the internet and wow, she has really um, helped a lot of people in this area and um, it's so exciting to see that depression and anxiety can be healed naturally and that medication is not a long-term solution and it actually can contribute to a worsening of the condition. Now, a lot of what she's going to talk about and what, what she talks about in her book as well um, is oftentimes considered controversial. You may not agree with all of it and um, I may not even agree with all of it, I'm not sure. So I think it's something that we do need to look into though because there's a lot of things um, happening in the world, um, a lot of people suffering from anxiety and depression. It's getting worse, not better. And the medications don't seem to be healing the problem, which we know generally medications don't heal the issue. They um, help to reduce symptoms sometimes, not always. So what we need to do is get to the bottom of, of why it's happening and what we can do to help our children and our families um, to have healthy minds and healthy bodies. So um, Dr. Kelly has some really important things to share on this and so I wanted to get her onto the podcast to share these with you because I know not all of you can come to the Mind Forum, sadly. So I'd like for you to hear what she has to say. And sadly, Fuad couldn't be on the podcast today, which he was really looking forward to being here. So sorry about that. Um, and we had a lot of questions we wanted to ask that I didn't have time for. It's just, it's quite a short podcast. It goes for half an hour. And, um, but it's really practical. Um, it's very, it's just a casual, practical chat like our, our, our podcasts usually are. So I just thought I'd give you a little bit of an intro first because we had to get straight into it because Dr. Kelly doesn't have a lot of time. Um, she's a busy lady. But it became really just a, a really good chat between two mums about, you know, what we want for our children um, and what we want to share with the world um, in that it's, it's possible to heal naturally and that she talks about the best direction that she feels um, people should go when anxiety and depression hit and um, she really shares some good tips. So first before we start I just want to give you a bit of a background on what Dr Kelly does and who she is. So she's a she has a master's in neuroscience, she's a board certified psychiatrist in the US and she recently published a book 
which is already a bestseller, and it's called A Mind of Your Own. So you may have heard of it. Um, it was very controversial in the media in America, um, especially because most of the media over there, um, they have a lot of advertisers that are big pharma, so they can't pharmaceutical companies. So they couldn't really, um, they didn't take it on basically, but it's still a bestseller. So it's really gotten out there and it's all about, it's about depression and big pharma and it's a real eye opener. So if you can get hold of this book, do read it. Um, Dr. Kelly is really focused on practical, natural solutions for depression. So in this episode, she talks about why depression is not a disease, why the serotonin theory of depression is wrong, why many psychiatric diagnoses are caused by underlying physical ailments, which we know, gut health, etc., and how medications contribute to depression, and also what your first step should be if you suffer from depression. So if you know someone who suffers from depression and anxiety, if you, if you are this person yourself, please listen, please pass it on. This podcast really does just scratch the surface of this subject. It's a big subject and there's so much more to learn. So if you found it interesting, you may like to buy her book. You can find it on Amazon or from her website, Dr. Kelly Brogan. And there's also a lot of other podcasts out there um, that have Dr. Kelly speaking on the podcast. There's quite a few um, of the Wellness Couch um, podcasts uh, interviewing Kelly as well. So listen to all these podcasts, read the books, search out the information and find out all you can. And if you possibly can, come to the Mind Forum because you'll obviously get to hear her speak in person. And if you come to the speaker's reception on, I think it's on the Saturday night, which anyone is welcome to come to. You, you have to pay to come to it, but you get to actually talk to the speakers and have dinner with them. So um, I'd love to see some of you there. All right, so here's my discussion with Dr. Kelly Brogan. I hope you enjoy it. Just a little note here, if you notice this podcast sounds a little bit disjointed, we had some difficulties with the recording, so I've had to patch my voice in, so that's why it may sound a little bit disjointed. Sorry about that, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. Welcome, Kelly. So happy to have you on the show. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us. We would love for you to begin by talking about um, what you do and explaining a little bit about what your specialty is. Sure. So I actually come from a very conventional family. You know, I wasn't raised a hippie or any sort of a new age at all. And, um, and when I was in college at MIT, I actually worked a volunteer suicide hotline. Uh, it's a big issue at MIT. And for whatever reason, I was drawn to that. And it was supervised by psychiatrists. And I became very interested in Essentially, what I have learned is is an illusion of of our having cracked the code of human behavior, right? So I was studying neuroscience in college and working with a psychiatrist, and I thought, well, this is the way, you know, to to work with human suffering and to get people out of their ruts, right? So this is the science of it. And I actually went to medical school to become a psychiatrist, but um, I've always been a feminist, and in many different iterations. Uh, of, of feminism, but I've always identified as one. And so it was very natural to me to specialize in caring for women specifically and, and mothers. Um, and it really wasn't until my fellowship level specialization when I was uh, becoming, I guess, expert in actually medicating uh, with psychiatric medications, pregnant and breastfeeding women, believe it or not, um, uh, that I was pregnant myself. And I remember having this you know, experience of this voice inside me that essentially 
you know, told me, you know, I would never want to take one of these medications, despite the fact that I was writing hundreds of prescriptions, uh, you know, every month for, the, for these women, you know, as a pregnant woman, I just felt something off about it. Um, and I ignored that. <laughs> and then it wasn't until I was uh, nine months postpartum that I was diagnosed with my first health condition ever. You know, I'd been basically trashing my body for 30 years up until that point, uh, literally. And uh, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an yeah, autoimmune thyroid condition. And uh, that same voice, you know, sort of cropped up and, and I just felt like, well, this sucks. I don't want to take a medication for the rest of my life. No, I want a way out. And so strangely, I had the inclination to consult a naturopath and um, I just knew that conventional medicine didn't have an exit door for me. You know, they only had a lifetime of prescribing and I put into remission within six months what should be chronic and, and really unremitting and potentially even disabling condition. Uh, and it raised a lot of red flags for me. And the rest is history. Yeah, I began to do my own research on, on what it is that I hadn't quite learned in medical school. Kelly, what started you down this path? Did you go through depression yourself or was it more the Hashimoto's and searching out how to naturally heal your thyroid issues? And could you just explain a little bit about the symptoms of thyroid, is- thyroid issues, what it looked like for you and how it can affect the mind? So I, you know, my thyroid symptoms were primarily uh, brain fog, cognitive. They were primarily brain fog and fatigue, forgetfulness, flatness. Um, not, I never experienced clinical depression. I'm very much somebody who spent a lot of my years feeling very revved and anxious. At one point I even took a beta blocker, like a blood pressure medication in my residency because my heart was racing nonstop. Um, but part of why I think it's poetic that I ended up struggling with a thyroid condition is because I learned a hell of a lot about it, right? You always do when it's your health journey. And I learned that thyroid conditions can masquerade you know, as all sorts of psychiatric pathology from depression to anxiety to even postpartum psychosis, uh, panic attacks and chronic fatigue. And so all of these labels can get slapped on you with associated medications unless your doctor knows what to look for or you do uh, in terms of proper diagnosis. So it really helped to open me up to the fact that a lot of what we are calling psychiatric is in fact a reversible physiologic uh, process. So what would you say would be the cause of depression? Would you, I know you say it's not actually a chemical imbalance like we've been told and, it's, um, and that you don't agree with the serotonin theory. Maybe you could just explain a little bit about that. Sure. So, so this is a big one for people. It's really amazing how, how, uh, how deeply this, what I'll go so far as to, to call a myth, um, has penetrated, you know, sort of collective consciousness, you know, where we have this idea that depression and really all mental illnesses are, are something you're probably born with, right? It's probably genetic and it's a chemical imbalance and it's one that you need medication to manage really for the rest of your life. And, and, you know, we liken it to, you know, insulin to a diabetic or eyeglasses for a myopic and, and the truth is really, really quite far from that. You know, if, if you delve into the literature the way that um, some very important pioneers uh, have, primarily from the UK, doctors like Joanna Moncrief, um, you know, who have completely, you know, turned this on its head, demonstrating that in six decades of research, there is no science to validate a low serotonin or high serotonin or medium serotonin, you know, theory of depression. It's, it's really just smoke and mirrors. And, 
you know, the origins of it are very humble, you know, sort of date back to the 1950s and 60s with observations around the effects of tuberculosis medications primarily. And it's, it's not valid science. So that's why, you know, these medications, um, don't do what we, you know, sort of believe that they do. And they actually, which is correct a problem. And they actually create, uh, a very particular kind of imbalance. It's, it's quite a different story than, than what we've been led to believe. Yeah, it really is. And I know my doctor meant well, but she did tell us that it was okay to go on medication for life and that a lot of people do and that that's not a problem. But, you know, when I start reading about other people's stories that have had um, terrible reactions to medications, I, I um, read a story recently and actually talked to the lady um, who has a new blog. She's just started to share her story and she talks about how um, she was diagnosed with postnatal depression after her second baby and um, it was it was really hard for her and so she went to the doctor. The doctor straight away, you know, in 15 minutes gave her um, antidepressants, didn't check her health, didn't check her hormones or anything. It was just talking to her, gave her antidepressants and that started her off on a 12-year journey of psychosis that just got worse and worse, more and more medications. Um, we're going to interview her soon actually and on the podcast but so I won't tell the whole story because I'll, I'll spoil it but um, it's taken, it took her a fair while to get off those medications and when she did she found that she hadn't been going through psychosis naturally, it wasn't anything actually wrong with her body um, she was probably exhausted and down from having a, you know, a second child and her body was run down, but she wasn't bipolar like they told her and she wasn't psychotic. She had all these um, issues due to the medication she was taking and now they tell her her body is poisoned because of the medication and she's got all sorts of health issues. Now, you know, what, what do you do when someone comes into your clinic and they have been on these medications for many years and you're trying to help them to get off naturally? That's a gigantic thing and I know it was for this lady. What what can you tell us about that? Well, that you know, that story couldn't be more resonant for me. I mean, this is, it just, you know, enrages me still. I've been in the trenches on this issue for, you know, a decade, and I just, hearing a story like that, I just want to scream from the mountaintops. I, it's so um, fundamentally, um, you know, divergent from what the practice of medicine should be. You know, it's, we, we've totally abandoned the first do no harm oath. Um, we are using our patients as, you know, sort of pawns in, in a, in a, in a, in a sort of a system that really puts profits of industry above and beyond the experience of the individual. Um, you know, and the truth is that most practitioners don't have the time, interest, or incentive to research what they are told. They just accept it. And, you know, it's only through personal experience that you ever have any incentive to actually ask, you know, where do we get this information from? Is it actually valid? And so I so um, sympathize for her experience. And, God, I mean, put her in touch with me. I'll, uh, you know, I'll let So, you know, I do work with a lot, a lot of women in this case. Many of my patients have uh, very similar stories where they were first medicated postpartum or around perimenopause. They never had any history prior to that. Um, and of 
course, you know, my belief is that there's um, an immune and inflammatory underpinning to a lot of what we are calling mental illness in that time. Um, but, you know, it's very easy to slap a very poorly studied medication onto a situation. And the risks of these medications are such an untold story of the risks. Yeah. I mean, either. Um, me neither, and I prescribe them for years. You know, it's just not uh, popularized, and the pharmaceutical industry does everything in their power to conceal this. You know, they have locked file drawers filled with papers uh, that demonstrate, you know, increased risk of impulsivity, suicide, homicide, mania. Um, it's horrendous. Uh, so, let alone the long-term risks of what you're alluding to, which is something I've developed, you know, quite passionate feelings about because. It's, uh, I never spoke to a patient when I started them on a medication about the fact that they may never be able to come off this medication. So, you know, unlike heroin and crack cocaine and alcohol and Oxycontin, you know, these medications sometimes require, you know, dose tapers over years. Patients can maintain stability. I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing? It's, it's really beyond the pale when it comes to habit formation. I mean, this, these medications are so exquisitely habit forming that some, Patients can never actually come off them. And we, we have been telling patients that it's their illness, right? Like that nurse said to her, right? It's your illness. You're, you know, you're so sick. Look how sick you are. You can't live with this medication. But in fact, the primary literature is finally validating what patients have been saying you know, in grassroots support groups for years, which is that this is not my illness. You know, this, is a, this is a withdrawal. This is a chemical withdrawal. And so, you know, in the end, the truth will out. I have to believe that. And obviously, that's what I'm here to, to, to help. Uh, you know. So quite often, someone's told that they've got depression or, or bipolar and it's an illness and they need to go on medication, which will probably be for life. But the reason for the illness has not even been looked into. They haven't had any tests to work out what's going on in their bodies. It's not really even considered part of the equation to look into diet or anything like that. I just think that's so that's sad and it's so wrong. It really is. And the truth is that, you know, a lot of what I'd like to reframe is that depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, panic, panic disorder, these are not disease entities. These are not actual things. They don't have genetics behind them. They don't have a known chemistry behind them. And they certainly don't have a valid treatment that results in, you know, easily replicated uh, you know, outcomes over large swaths of the population. These are terms, they're just descriptive terms, like a fever, right? So a fever is not a disease. It's just, it's, it's an indication that there is an underlying imbalance and that imbalance can range from, you know, physiologic to nutritional, endocrine, hormonal, gut to psychospiritual. And until you can individually examine what is driving it, you won't have any idea how to enter and how to potentially reverse it. So... So when someone comes to you for help, do you help them to get the tests done that can determine what's going on in their body and to figure out what's causing the distress? Is that how you um, begin working with them? Yes. So when I see the patient, that's my primary uh, goal is to try and identify what is driving what we are calling psychiatric in nature. Uh, my assumption is that it's, it's anything but a brain chemistry imbalance. And so I do basic diagnostics, you know, that I, you know, I talk about in, in, uh, a mind of your own. Um, I do, um, Oh, I meant to mention your book. You need to tell us about that as well. Sure. Uh, sure. It just came out, um, in March and is basically, you know, my effort to get 
self-healing tools into the hands of every single person that needs it to avoid situations like the one you just described, you know, where it's very hard to learn that way. And it's not necessary, you know, to go through that kind of trauma to get the information you need to, to, to help yourself on your own, even without any clinician at all. So, yeah, so, so there's some basic some basic diagnostics that actually you could do at pretty much any cooperative doctor. Um, in the States, there are even methods to do it, you know, without a doctor, go to the lab yourself. But um, those are done really in the setting of the mo most important initial um, thrust of the, the program, which is dietary, right? So all of these, whether it's a thyroid condition, blood sugar imbalance, a food reaction, you know, all of these different uh, drivers are reversible sometimes within a month uh, on a whole, whole diet. You know, it's like literally the panacea for all that ails you. And, and the truth is you're, you may be concerned about psychiatric symptoms, but you might find that if you adhere and really commit to seriously um, a month of a whole foods diet, you have all sorts of side benefits, right? Like your libido and your hair looks great and you lose those 10 pounds. Oh, and by the way, your brain fog and panic attacks and, you know, chronic depression of 20 years have all shifted. So I feel very passionately about it. Um, I have learned over the years, you know, that there is a, essentially a template, even though I certainly don't believe that there's one diet for everyone. I do believe that when your primary experience is one of what you would describe as depression, meaning flat mood with some irritability, you know, feelings of sort of hopelessness, um, you know, insecurity, poor self-esteem, a motivation, um, sort of, you know, poor concentration, this sort of syndromal picture that this approach, uh, which actually is a red meat inclusive diet, um, is extremely effective. It's very high in natural fats, which is an easy way to undo a lot of blood sugar destabilization. And so you end up, you know, having a palliative effect on so many different areas of the body from the gut to the hormonal system, of course, then to the brain, because we now know the gut and the brain are inextricably connected. And so while I ask people to do that, you know, we are also beginning to, you know, sort of re reframe their day-to-day -day experience. So I ask them to do three minutes of um, medical meditation uh, every single day, so just three minutes. I found that that's very manageable, especially for a lot of the moms that I work with. Um, I ask them to do 20 minutes of more intensive exercise, you know, like called first training, one time a week, so just once a week. And then to begin the process of uh, internal and external detoxification. So some of my patients end up needing to do coffee enemas depending on their medication and you know, chemical exposure history. Um, I have recommendations around simple kinds of baths you can do. And then also, you know, beginning the process of greening your home, meaning your cosmetics, your products, your cleaning products, um, looking at the water you drink. It's a big issue here that our water is fluoridated, has chlorine in it, has even medications in it, um, let alone disinfectant byproducts. So while, you know, hydration is important, you could end up doing more harm than good that way. So these sorts of changes that you can make over time, uh, but you begin to really shift your mindset and you shift out of a mindset that says, you know, my body is a minefield of mistakes and I need, you know, doctors and chemicals to manage it and it's scary as hell. And you shift into a mindset that says, you know what, everything I've ever needed is already here. 
you know, I actually just need some reminders maybe and minor guidance, but I got this, like I got this and it's going to seem challenging because it involves this shift in mindset. But in the end, your life gets so much simpler. You know, I have a doctor and I don't even know how long a decade. I don't any relationship to the healthcare system apart from, you know, energy healers and other folks that I, you know, I consider sort of my wellness and prevention um, investment. But it's it's such an easier life, you know. And and my patients would say the same thing. You know, you just all all of the white noise of fear around illness just like melts away. And and it's a way to take back control. Yes, I think you're right. It does really simplify life and health to get back to eating simple real foods and living the way that we were meant to live I know um, with our own son when we had to change our diet it just changed everything Um, I should quickly tell you our story because you don't know my son came down with really severe anxiety and depression um, nearly two years ago and he was 13 at the time and he um it turned out he had severe OCD and we went to the doctor to get help. He was put onto medication, but I never wanted that to be the long-term solution. I just We were just desperate and didn't know what else to do. Um, and, of course, the doctor said, you know, this can, it's fine for life. You know, you can just keep taking this. It will, it, you know, we'll see how it goes, but it's no problem and, but I said to my son straight away, you're not going to be on this for life. We might do this for a couple of months while we get other things going to help you cope, but it's not going to be something we're going to do for life. Thankfully, um, we straight away went onto the GAPS diet and that really, really helped. And the doctor was amazed by how quickly he healed and so was the psychologist. And he he skipped whole sections of the CBT training. He was not needing all the counselling. Um, he didn't need the length of time that most people need. And, you know, after a couple of months, the doctor said, well, usually we're upping the medication by now because he was on a very small dose. And um, she said, but he doesn't need it. And I said to the psychologist, why do you think that is? Do you think that the diet is is helping? Do you think it's just the medication? Do you think it's both? What do you think? So I was interested to see her take on it. And she said, it's definitely not the medication that she said, yeah, usually they need more by now and they need a lot of counseling. He's getting well very quickly. And she ended up coming to a um, seminar that Pete Evans did up in Cairns and um, Isaac and I both spoke at the seminar and he told his story in front of 200 people and Um, she came to that and that was great you know she understood that it was the diet that was really helping him when we whenever I talked to the doctor about it at first she would kind of change the subject I don't think she was comfortable with the idea of the diet being something that would heal anxiety Um, but when we went back at the six month mark to to decide whether you know to get him off the medication and all of that kind of thing um, he was so much improved that she called the student doctor in and said um, you need to talk to this lady about what she's done with her son. Tell her about the diet, Joe. So I was so excited that, you know, both the doctor and the psychologist had had agreed that the diet did have an impact on his mental health. Um, so, yeah, that was very exciting. And he's completely off medication now. He um, He is very happy and totally a different boy. 
and I think it's mostly to do with the diet that we also did a lot of other things, um, worked on his health in other ways as well with chiropractic and different things, but um, the diet was a very big part of it for us. Yes, you should be um, congratulated for that, 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 you know, hesitant concession um, because there's no question that there's, you know, that there's a relationship. And, re- and really the truth is that the, the very scientific um, literature that, you know, people sort of refer to as the, you know, the holy grail of all things true has been discussing the gut-brain connection and the relevance of diet for many decades now. And it's just a matter of how long it takes for that information to trickle into the average clinician's office. And who, who has the time to wait for that, you know? I mean, we need this information now, and it's already out there. Um, you know, the discipline is called psychoneuroimmunology, and it's basically about how you heal gut pathology, which can arise from, you know, medication exposures like antibiotics, um, can arise from environmental exposures like, you know, chemicals, um, even the fact that we don't have exposure to a lot of things and different kinds of germs and bugs and worms that we did over entire, exactly we did. So there are so many factors in the modern era that are disrupting our gut physiology the way that we're born, you know, it's completely uh, been derailed. So there are many reasons why we could be struggling and some people manifest their gut pathology psychiatrically, you know, and that might be the genetic part, you know, why you manifest, um, you know, inflammatory and immune dysfunction psychiatrically, but it certainly doesn't mean that it's something you inherited and now there's nothing you can do about it but take a pill. Yes, and that's what we've heard so much for so many years that it's genetic, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I just will mention also another thing in my family. I thought that um, my grandfather was very healthy and my grandmother, you know, they'd always eaten real food and all of that kind of thing. And my mum always made a point that, you know, they're very healthy. They didn't have any problems from eating, you know, the way they ate. And um, then only the other day mum mentioned something to me about grandpa um, that he was on antidepressants pretty much as long as she can remember. Um, and, you know, she'd always been told it's a chemical imbalance, there's nothing he could do about it, it's genetic, and so he had to take these pills all his life. And she said, oh, you know, that's probably why your kids have these issues because it's genetic. And I thought about that and I thought, you know what, um, it, it's not, it's, that's not true there's just so much that we've been told that's not right and maybe there was things in his environment even even back, you know, 50 years ago that caused issues for him. Maybe there's the genetic propensity towards, like you say, um, towards psychiatric issues if you get things out of alignment, if the gut's not working properly and stuff. But, yeah, it's not as easy as just popping a pill. It's something, there is something we can do. But I don't think that's a bad thing. And like I often say on my Facebook page, I have been slammed on there before for saying, um, how exciting is this? There's, there's things that we can actually do to make our kids better. And I think that that's a great thing because it gives us hope. But some mums um, get offended by that and say, oh, you're saying I'm a bad mum because I haven't done all these things and that's why my kid's sick and they'll actually get offended at that. But I don't mean it that way. I actually mean it in the way that there's so much we can do um, and and we have hope of our kids getting better. I think that's 
that's a great thing. I mean, it's empowering. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to ask you, so when you have a child like like my son who um, I didn't tell you my whole story, but he when he was at his worst two years ago, he was so bad that none of us were coping and he would just scream and cry, you know, throughout the day and he just would, um, you know, at 11 o'clock at night he'd be sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and it, it got to the stage where he couldn't, he couldn't feed himself. Um, I was having to feed him. I was having to take him to the toilet. I was having to dress him and try and get, he he couldn't get in the shower. He couldn't do school. He couldn't go places. Um, So I was desperate. And that's why I took him to the doctor and got the medication because I was so desperate. We we just needed something done straight away. It was urgent. It was, it was scary. Um, What do you say to the, to the people who have these kind of things happening in their family I know you're saying don't put them onto medication, but what if you're so desperate and scared and worried and you don't know what to do? Um, for a lot of people, the idea of doing a diet for one month, um, you know, that's, that's really frightening because they don't know if they can cope for that long. That's especially the person who's going through the anxiety and depression. What if, you know, they feel like they need something more than the diet? Do you ever give them supplements from the start or... Um, what what do you do to help them um, right from the start? Yeah, so, you know, there I normally don't recommend supplements um, the first month because I feel very strongly about the, the uh, experiential learning that comes with using diet food first because if we're papering over the situation with, I mean, imagine meds, but, but even supplements – um, and dietary change and things feel better. I mean, then it's never the, the body never, and mind never connect around the power of the intervention. So, so I, I, you know, I, I tend to really foreground that and just ask for, you know, trust in the process, um, you know, patience and we work around releasing fear. And I am, you know, really into, as I mentioned, Kundalini yoga. And, um, there are num- actually thousands of, medical meditations and kundalini yoga that can have nervous system effects within minutes. Um, I really have never found anything quite as effective in terms of changing, you know, sort of experiences of negative thoughts, of hopelessness, of um, acute anxiety as these types of breathing practices. So I, you know, I, I always assign those to my patients and I expect them to do it every single day, no excuses. Um, and then, you know, on rare occasions, I will use a supplement, you know, there are, you know, up front, I mean, there are supplements like, you know, amino acids like L-theanine, uh, for example. Yeah, you know, they're, they're safe. And for many patients, they're very effective. Pharma GABA is another one that I have a lot of experience with. Um, and acetylcysteine is another. And then there are herbs, you know, of course, like uh, valerian or kava, um, that have, you know, somewhat unpredictable effects, but not dangerous ones. But if they are a, are a good fit, you know, you'll know within an hour. Uh, yeah. So it's not, these aren't like necessarily long trials where you need to sort of see what's going to ha- unfold. I mean, certainly the benefits can accumulate over time, but you sort of know whether it's a good fit pretty quickly. And so those can be helpful as well. But a lot of a lot of what I do is try to hold space for suffering because I think until we can all collectively appreciate that when we reflexively react 
to struggle and suffering, we make mistakes. Uh, we'll, we'll never, we'll never get where we need to go. And, and part of it is just understanding that sometimes we move through difficult things. I mean, any woman who's had a natural childbirth knows, you know, knows that you just can't fight it. <laughs> you know, the more you fight it, the, the more, right. And you end up, you know, the surgical table. So it's, um, it's a, it's an important lesson that we just haven't been supported in learning uh, because of the way our society is set up. I think you're so right. Um, we do try to put a Band-Aid over everything and take a pill and not have to feel anything that's unpleasant, but um, we really have to learn how to work through these things, don't we? And that's something that um, we're working on in our family. So thank you for all your um, your tips and I'm really looking forward to reading your book and to hearing you speak at the forum. It will be very exciting to meet you. Um, do you want to just quickly tell the readers a little bit more about the book and um, where to find you on- online? Well, I'm very excited to meet you both. Um, the, the book is called a mind, a mind of Your Own and it's available you know, online and it's um, in Australia actually already. And, um, the first chapter is actually available free. If you want to sort of get a feeling for it on my website, uh, kellybroganmd.com and you can check it out. I I have a newsletter there where I, you know, keep everyone updated on the latest, um, science and recommendations around a lot of this and, um, love to be in touch. Okay. Thank you so much, Kelly. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come and chat to us. Um, and Isaac and I really look forward to meeting you and um, we'll see you soon thank you total pleasure thank you bye everybody this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter The Wellness Couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.